You're listening to episode 86 with Reed Cohen, microbiologist and biohazard safety trainer and longtime friend of the H2 Duo. This episode is brought to you by Rogue Water Lab. Hi, this is Dr. Tobin Redwine, Instructional Assistant Professor in the Department of Agricultural Leadership, Education, and Communications at Texas A&M University. This is the podcast that's demonstrating the power of storytelling in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. We are proud to announce our new nonprofit venture, Rogue Water Lab. A tribe, an experience, a calling, a hub where you can learn, connect, and grow. The lab is cultivating the next generation of innovators in water communication and education. Why? Because progress is a human story. And those who tell the stories rule the world. So the question now belongs to you. Are you ready to join the revolution? To be honest, Water Nerd fam, I don't even know where to begin with why I am so excited about this episode. I have laughed the entire time I was editing it. I think it is a really amazing way for us to give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's been like for us the past two years starting this company together, how much we love this industry, how much all of you mean to us. But I also really love getting the perspective of the everyday citizen and some of their hilarious reactions to some of the things that we do in this industry that we don't even think twice about. And you get that perspective from our friend, Reed Cohen. Uh, This is an oldie but goodie. I pulled this out of the vault because I realized that I hadn't edited it and released it yet. But this, he actually came in to celebrate with us and record the podcast when the podcast turned one years old. And we are already a year and a half. We actually turned two in June. So wow, almost two years old. But um, I really hope you enjoy this. Uh, There probably are a few curse words here and there. This was an after hours recording sesh. So if you typically listen to this with the whole family around the radio, (laughs) then maybe get a couple earmuffs for the kids. Nothing major, but just fair warning. Um, We are in true H2 Duo spirit. I hope you guys laugh at some of these things as hard as I do. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Okay, so this is going to be a fun one, water nerds out there, because we have invited one of our very good friends, an avid <laughs> water and real life listener. Yes. And what do you call that? We brought him to the blue side of water nerddom. We will knight him later. Um, we are here with our buddy, Reed. Can did I say you your last to, name? Did you have to look at the paper to see what his name was? No, I was... What? No. <laughs> can, I, can I call you Reed Cohen? <laughs> I mean, again, I... Hold the mic up. Yes, you can use my name. I'm not behind a hidden one-way mirror here at all. Uh, so, Reed Cohen, you're a microbiologist. That's correct. Is that, fine? Is that right? Yes, by, by training. That's what my degree says. You went to um, TU, Texas University. I know you're a little dyslexic there, but it's okay. Aggies have that problem. It is, it is the University of Texas at Austin. That is correct. Hook them. Um, you have an amazing wife. Yes, you do. Shout 100%. out Rachel. Absolutely. She's in Boston. Nope. Nope. Starts Maryland. with a B. Baltimore. I actually also have an undergraduate geography. We can work on that later with you. 
Okay, so she's in Baltimore. So I guess I should warn you that Reed and Ariane are constantly sparring in sarcasm and snide comments. So you will get a lot of that. Also, your wife's pregnant and you're she's in Maryland, you're in Texas. That's wow. correct. She's about 13 months pregnant. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. just, I don't know when it's going to end. Probably yeah. you're in the middle doing, of the podcast, then you're going to have to yeah. name this child. That's true. We're actually on a watch. I may get... There, uh, I may get a little, my beeper will go off here and I'll have to run to the hospital Feel for the Feel free baby. to name her Water and Real Life, mm-hmm. um, Podcast, Oral. Oral, yeah, you know, any of those any things would be appropriate. I figured I could just name her Ereny and then it's half <laughs> oh Ariane and half <gasps> Stephanie, so. Not that would be Steffi-Ann? We don't know if it's a girl, that's, that's the oh. issue. Oh, so Steve-Ann? Steve-Ann? Steph-Ann? Steph-Ann. That might be the East Texas pronunciation anyway. So out here, Stephanie. Thank you for pulling the mic away from your mouth when you did that. Well, uh, in true transparency, we'll say that we are having a celebratory podcast session today because we are. We're going to cheer up on the mic, but we are. We'll get it. We should have popped the bottle over the. I know. Well, we'll pop the next one. Um, We are celebrating one year in modern real life history. One year is in the books. And so what better way than to bring on one of our good friends to do some resident rants? <laughs> Reed's resident rants. Yes. Water rants. So we talk a lot about customers in the water biz, and we talked to a lot of people who talk about communicating better to those customers. But we were like, you know what? We need to get a legit customer in here well, to talk about it stuff, too. It happened more organically than that. It we, happened very organically. Here we are with... You know, this is Stephanie's friend first. And so she's like, let's go have a happy hour, this dude. And I'm like, okay. Um, is that the time you, like, talk to him for two hours about healthcare? Yes. Okay. Okay, so he's a healthcare expert also. <laughs> and so he's giving me great advice. And um, Hashtag startup. So here we are. We're having these conversations. We're drinking. And... He and I kind of have this amazing chemistry um, of like, yeah, fighting brother sisters. It's amazing. <laughs> he doesn't like germs. I like to t- stick my finger in my mouth and dip it in his salsa. <laughs> I've licked every chip he's ever eaten in front of me. He doesn't know this. It's fine though. He doesn't care. Right? And the microbiologist. <clears throat> so here, just naturally, he rants about a lot of things. And just naturally, <laughs> like, this is kind of his thing. Reed rants, and it's then Reed in the wild. <laughs> yeah, and so we were like, God, we need to get this guy on the podcast. Yeah, so you're right; it did happen organically. Um, but hey, <laughs> turns out he has a lot of customer complaints on cities and organizations. So yes, we're gonna keep it. Reed, you're welcome to speak at any moment. <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for an opening. That introduction was probably the most negative. Everybody thinks I'm either. Like Eeyore. How about we turn or, this positive? Or Oscar the Grouch. I mean, with with that introduction, like you might as well just have sound effects. Wah, wah. I mean, wow. So, I I, th- I think I should start by saying I I'm Can pretty sure. Can we read sure your testimony first? I'm your that biggest will, fan. Yeah, I know. I am we know the podcast biggest fan. I look forward to Mondays more than like Monday night football. Like, I, like when I wake up in the morning, guess what? My little podcast thing is gonna ding, and I know it's ding. gonna be. 
the H2 duo, and I cannot wait. Well, I do have to say that you gave us the best test. My favorite testimonial that we've gotten so far came from you, and it said, I just started your podcast. You're like Braveheart if water is Scotland. And I was like, hello. Yeah. You you also wanted to talk about how you're fired up and pissed off about how the wealthiest country in the world, not being able to guarantee certain localities a healthy water supply has also got you fired up, which, you know, agreed. So. And the date of that, um, you know, I'll probably somewhere in November. And let me just tell you, listeners, he got through 40 episodes. Probably like 40 episodes. In about, what are you? Two days? It was pretty quick. So you were you were the third per- podcast I had ever listened to. I was late to the game there. I started with a Harry Potter podcast. Oh, that's a good one. And then a, a baseball podcast. But you were, you were right there after. It was only because I didn't know you had one. Top three. I'll so, take it. I mean, you pretty much, you probably would have beaten Harry Potter had I known. Sure. So. Well, we obviously we didn't mean to make the intro negative. <laughs> you know, that's just where you and Ariane take it. So, I um, have that effect on people. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I was actually going to say, so Ariane mentioned that Reed was my friend first, uh, but that's kind of like an understatement because like Reed's whole family adopted me. <laughs> it feels like uh, several years ago. And so between Reed, his dad, his mom, his sister, um, I just feel like a, uh, what do you call that, an honorary Cohen. So I'll take it. But yeah, so Reed's also like the brother that I don't fight with as much as Ariane does. Mm. So we're excited to have you here, as negative as Ariane was. I apologize on her behalf. Yeah, just to <laughs> set the stage for all the listeners, we actually have a line down the middle of the room here, and Ariane's on one side and I'm over on the other. Yes. So as long as we don't cross each other's. Yeah. I, I am purposefully so close to separated licking my finger them. and touching his glasses right now. <laughs> like, yeah. And she's done that before. This is interesting. It's like behind the curtain. I've listened to so many episodes, and now I actually see there is a lot more tech that goes into this than this is real. I expected. So it's I am real life. I didn't know I could be more impressed by y'all, but you've Aww. done it again. Wow. Well, I'll take it. All right, I'll take your compliment. Well, okay. So Arian hinted at that you were a microbiologist. Kind of tell us. Uh, that's. I mean. You didn't could, even know he was in water. You could be doing a number of things as a microbiologist, but like you're actually on a super cool to me, the super cool side of it. Every time I watch the movie Outbreak, I think of you. So um, tell us more about exactly what it is that you do, because you are also an entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah, so uh, microbiology itself is kind of a wide span that that really can mean a lot of different things. Um, my schooling was in microbiology. Um, I then actually got into biosafety. I'm now currently a biosafety instructor and a consultant <laughs> a consultant in biosafety. Uh, what that means, um, we actually uh, started out doing um, contracts with the federal government to go to their high and maximum containment laboratories um, where they were working with uh, typically um, um, those agents that you know, people, if they're in the news, everybody freaks out. Uh, you know, Marburg, Ebola, anthrax, uh, those bugs. And so those facilities uh, are very unique. You can't just, you know, every university has, you know, biomedical research laboratories, but you need very specific engineering. You need special waste uh, streams. You need training for the people that's different than uh, your average laboratory. And so um, I actually found myself uh, training that staff. So it's funny when you mention the movie uh, Outbreak, they have those the suits that are, they look like space suits and you hook up to an airline. We've actually done that training, um, um, teaching you 
how to do the same job, but in that suit. Because mm. all of a sudden your arms are a foot longer and Ooh. you don't want to turn around. Stephanie couldn't handle Knock that. a bunch of vials <laughs> off the, you know, table. And uh, so, so that's kind of what I got into. Currently, uh, we've moved um, to more online training. As you'll see, and I'm sure the water utilities and everybody, there's just not the funding to send your staff out for travel. There's mm -hmm. not the funding to pay consultants to travel and come in. So the more we can do uh, online uh, and people can do it whenever they want instead of you know the manager saying, especially when you have safety personnel, well, guess what? If you try to get your entire safety staff in a room at one time, when does the stuff hit the fan out in the field? Mm. The day you had planned all of your safety people to right. be in that training. So you do it online. People can take it. You know They can stagger times. They can do it from home. So it's a lot less travel for me, which uh, uh, is kind of nice. I'm over the whole around-the-world airplane thing. But Oh, um, uh, yeah, that whole thing. But, well, you have a kid coming. And, yeah. and exactly. And with the baby, I want to be there. So Awesome. Um, is it? I'm just asking a question. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I just want to throw out, um, as I'm self-declaring myself to be the biggest fan of you all, so yeah. I know last year um, there was a, I guess it was about halfway through, uh, you had, I call it the pirate episode, yes. um, where you actually had the tables turned and questions were asked of you. I believe it was somebody in North Carolina. I'm terrible oh, with God, Travis Loop, who is... Number one fan right here. Yeah, Director of Communication with Water Environment Federation and also a journalist by trade. So he and flipped the script. And also has a podcast. And also has a podcast. Perfect. So I have no background in journalism, um, but I do have some <laughs> questions that I prepared as one of your fans. There are things as I go through that I want to hear from you. So these are and questions so, from the fans. Correct. This is, might as well be the mailbag, you could okay. call it, if questions I went out and fans. collected. Um, oh boy. It's also the other part is I don't feel that I have much value to add to your listeners on my half. So at least if I could ask you questions, That's then I could true. all learn more about. Fine. You tit for tat. You ask me a question, we'll ask you a question. Because I have questions. Oh, we're going to. But I do gonna... also have a lightning round prepared. So that, oh, that will have to. Oh, a lightning round. So this is going to be a volley question situation. You want to ask the first question then? Absolutely. Okay. So. Uh, first, obviously, again, more of an introduction, but I just, uh, we're celebrating here today, but I just wanted to correct, congratulate you guys. I know firsthand I do run a nonprofit. I also have my own um, consulting firm. I know what it's like to, you leave the paycheck behind when you leave uh, the working world and you're on your own and it's, everything is on you. And uh, you guys, it can be scary, but you have absolutely done it with grace and you've been successful and you've enjoyed it and you're having fun and it shows through when you listen to your podcasts and it's just really, really inspiring. So with that in mind, with you as far as you've so come- You just that so I talk shit to you. I still expect it, um, but that's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just glad. There's like a I'm just glad you cursed before me. I, I didn't want to break the seal there. So knowing where you are now, if, um, if you could go back- the current you, to the first day you left your jobs at the uh, municipal office, what one piece of advice do you give yourself? Ooh, I like this because we were just asked a similar question. Um, we got invited to come speak on this panel with San Antonio Water System. Our mentor, Greg Wukash, invited us to speak on this panel of this amazing teacher program that they have called CORE. And the whole... <clears throat> theme of the evening was related to dreams and following your dreams and doing all that. And so one of the questions was exactly that. And uh, Ariane and I, Ariane and I are both not ones to run away from admitting our flaws or our mistakes or things that we haven't done wrong. And there's 
<clears throat> plenty of those to to list, but actually when we were asked that question, the one thing that we wouldn't change any of that because we learned so much from everything that we right. royally screwed up. But I think the one thing that she and I would both change would be just to own it and to do it with more confidence. Um, I would say that for both of us in different ways, that's been something that this experience has really taught us and Mm -hmm. grown in us is just to own who we are as individuals and to accept that you're going to fail. And so just let it go and do it. Fail with confidence. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's fine. There's two things. I, F and F, I, it's fine or... F it. <laughs> you know? That's like on a daily basis. So yeah. it's iffy. Oh my God. I-F-F-I. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Fine. That's or perfect. F it. Yeah. So. Sorry, Greg. So. <laughs> well, I'll just be happy that she didn't give that answer in front of all your teachers. Well, for so. keeping score, it's two curse words for you, zero for me. So I'm actually, okay. I'm ahead. Okay. Not that anyone's keeping score. Not that I, I'm not okay. writing it down Next or anything. Question. He is. Tell well, the porter potties asking. His <laughs> All right, so I guess it comes back to me now. Well, so, okay, so the biggest reason that I wanted you on is that you have such a funny way of conveying frustration. (laughs) Funny is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny. And so, like, there's a lot of things just as we're swapping stories uh, back and forth where you'll bring attention to us Things that our industry does that cause frustration to either customers or businesses that sometimes we forget about or that we don't notice or see because we're in it. And so one of them actually um, revolved around a porta potty <laughs> that was left. Uh, <laughs> He's already turning red, guys. Yeah. He was, I'm still angry. He just asked us this like super sweet question, and I'm asking him about a porta potty. But um, so. <laughs> You had this uh, instance with uh, this confrontation with a porta potty. So, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, I guess I, I shouldn't name specific locations, but it's it's here. It's where I live. Um, so I moved in. <laughs> I won't say the city name. Um, uh, bought a house. I guess this was easily I don't know six or seven years ago. And uh, oh, so about the time that Stephanie worked for said. Wow. Oh, I should have. Well, I didn't know either of you then, and honestly, I didn't know much about water beyond, uh, you know, just making the, it awkward. The chemical composition, but so I, I, you know, bought a house and moved in, and there's all kinds of, you know, it was not move-in ready. There was work I wanted to do to it, um, uh, especially in the bathroom, which is a very important room for water, obviously. It is, uh, and for One microbiologists, of our actually. So, or we. Uh, I don't no, even no know what's going on Just, in the background here. Don't worry about me. Um, <laughs> so the house had been unoccupied for, I believe, five or six months. The seller had already moved. Um, and there was, I guess the neighborhood was built in 1950. And the city came through and decided that the week I moved in was when they were going to replace the water line for my street. Now, obviously, as I've heard more episodes from you, I should just feel fortunate that they replaced the line because it sounds like a lot of uh, cities and utilities, that's not even happening. Um, So while I'm happy they did that, uh, the timing was really poor. Uh, The first part was they had a bunch of workers, and so they needed to put a Porta John somewhere, and the one Why house. Porta John. I don't know, Porta Potty, Porta John, whatever. There are lots Jane. of different names. Porta Jane. Porta Jane. There you go. So the <laughs> the out the outhouse, the plastic outhouse. Um, 
you know, there was one yard that had a for sale sign with no owner, and so who's going to be able to complain? So that's where they put it. So when I moved in, the first thing was here was this porta potty just in the front yard. Well, I figured, okay, maybe it'd be there for a week. I, you know, I'm not the kind of person that really is that concerned. Uh, but they replaced the line, put the street back together, didn't see any more workers, and a month later, the porta potty still sitting there. And it's like, okay, this is kind of enough, guys. Um, and <laughs> it was one of those where I didn't even know, where, where do you go to that? I just moved to this city. Um, the other aspect I needed to also complain to them about was oh they actually tore up the street and I was redoing the bathrooms. And so I had a tile delivery. Well, I didn't expect that this was the 1890s in Wyoming. I thought our streets would be paved. And so you set up the delivery. You're paying the contractor to do the work. And the truck is supposed to come and deliver this ton of tile. And guess what? It pulls up a block away, and it can't turn because the street's been dug up, and it's mud, and it's raining, and it can't drive there. And they're not going to walk this delivery of a heavy tile you know, up the block. So they tell you, yeah, we'll come back in a week or when your street is ready. And they said, when's your street going to be ready? I said, well, how am I supposed to know when my street's going to be ready? These, you know, guys are out here, but I, and I see the, the, you know, it says city of mm -mm, water. <laughs> and so I guess I call the water department. I mean, I didn't even know, again, I had just yeah. moved in. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was ridiculous because now I'm fighting two fronts of, of, you know, timing issue. And I've never even paid a bill yet. It's my first week there. So I don't even have an account number. I don't have, mm. you know, what do I do? And I mean, we had electricity and the internet back then, but it wasn't obvious. <laughs> back then. You know, and, and it just became Six really frustrating. <laughs> and even to this day, so of course they repaved. And of course I got the delivery. And of course they took the porta potty off. But my yard still does not grow grass in that one, you know, however many square feet where it was. So that's I my. To point out that. You could have taken this a different direction and thought that Porter extra half bath potty, yes, extra half bath. Like, <laughs> yeah, but then your insurance goes you know, up, your home insurance, definitely so. more square footage in your house. Yeah. So, you know, do you get to count all the square footage from the front door to the porta potty? Sure, yeah, yeah, okay. No. So, so that was my first introduction to my new city's water utility. It Welcome. was not a positive <laughs> interaction. So, have you torn out that? You know, two by two or three by three foot square of nothing. Grass. No, I leave it as a shrine to government bureaucracy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this could just be like a simple pull it out, plant some native plants there. Well, okay. okay. <laughs> I no, I was saying that. Do you really see him planting a planter box full of native and drought tolerant plants? I mean, I, uh, I do yeah, now. I actually, I'm the only person on my street that does not water my lawn. I think that's a waste of water. And mm. frankly, whatever should grow on my lawn should be native. So if I've put in some kind of grass that needs all that water and isn't supposed to happen here in North Texas, I just think you it should shouldn't just, be there. Yeah, take, yeah. Rip all that St. Augustine out and let's just like do something. It's got native grass, Texas prairie going on. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was my introduction to my water utility. Well, yeah, and I, I um, so that goes on par with, I mean, you had no idea like where how to even, begin. where to even begin. And that's actually one of the things that we talk about when we give presentations is one of the first slides that we talk about is utilities are often the first impression that people have when they move to a city. That's one of the first things they do is set up water, wastewater service, um, call to get porta potties removed from their front yard. <laughs> so, I mean, you have to be, 
you have to be uh, transparent on where people can find you. Sorry, we're doing refills. On where people can find you and... Um, yeah. And how they can reach you. And, and I know that even me as a customer, I've been frustrated in not being able to know who to contact or where to get information, you know, when it's 11 o'clock at night and I suddenly don't have water service and I have no idea when it's going to come back on. And it's not the like water part that's most disconcerting to me. It's the fact that, you know, I know now that I have like two flushes Mm -hmm. left in my house and don't tell me that I can go to the store and fill up my you know, my tank with, with, with water and it's fine. Like that's, I don't necessarily need like a solution. I just need a a time, you know, when, when my power goes out and I call the power company to ask them when my power is going to be back on, they give me like some sort of idea of time frame. They don't tell me to go to Walmart and stock up on batteries to run the electricity in my house. So go get a generator, go get a generator. It'll be fine. So it's just, you know, we've gotten up at 4 a.m. in the morning to go buy, like, five-gallon uh, jugs of water because we didn't know when our water was going to go back on and we needed to we needed to flush the toilet. So it's a big deal. You know, we can't tell people, oh, water is life, but only until it actually does something to disrupt your actual life. And then we're like, eh, it'll be fine. It's fine. Just deal with it. So... Um, just some things to keep in mind from to keep that user experience, customer experience yes. front and center. So I see you're itching to ask another question. Well, I will follow up that every experience I've had with my water utility since has been wonderful. It okay, was good. just it was just a very bad introduction. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for not. I don't letting... want them to like come shut off my water now for. That's not how that works. Me. It's only if you don't pay your bill. Yeah. No, I'd get that on time. It's the cheapest <laughs> bill. That's we'll get into that too. I don't yeah. even understand why it's so cheap. It's yeah. It shouldn't. Um, all right. So back to the company you've started up. You're going out on your own. You're going rogue. What do you feel has been the most surprising aspect of starting your own company? That could be positive. That could be negative. But yeah. what has been a surprising aspect that you did not either foresee or, or until you kind of lived it. I honestly didn't know how kind people would be. Like the water family, not just the water family, our personal, our business banker, not our personal banker, <laughs> but he's, I mean, from everyone, from the banker to the friend, Reed Cohen, to yeah. the water family in general, um, everyone is asking the question, how can I help you? How can we help you succeed? And we're like, are you kidding me? Like, it's been so humbling and so amazing. And I think that that just one question has kept us in all the dark times or um, slower times or sadder times or any of those times. Um, how can we help you? And I'm like, wow, that's, are you, you know, that's amazing. So I know we're generally positive, so I don't want this to come off negative, but I feel like um, I consider myself to be a relatively intelligent person, you know, like I, I feel like I can, yeah, so. (laughs) You're still paying student loans off to say you are, so. Yeah, but, um, but I feel that I didn't learn any of the things that I needed to know to do this well. Um, I, I have probably 
never been more humbled uh, in in that. Not that I was, like, ever cocky about, you know, I'm so smart. But, like, I, uh, yeah, I have just felt completely overwhelmed by everything that I did not know and that I feel like nothing that I learned in school or college or anything like that could have prepared me for the things that I needed to know to do this. Um, And I will also say that, you know, a lot gets said about the American dream. And I feel like there's a lot of things that are fighting against you Mm -hmm. in terms of that. And like, that is what really has spoken so much to Arianne's point and how it's actually been the people in our community, the people in our industries community, the people in our personal communities. It's been those person to person interactions that have made this possible. And so above all else, I've learned that like you have to depend on one another and we have to like help one another and be kind to one another. Cause like, that's what it takes to make dreams come true to me. Yeah. And something else I wanted to add was on like a tangible thing for someone is, um, learning how to run your business on the financial side is applicable to how you run your family mm-hmm. finances. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that. Oh, and we don't get taught that either. You don't get taught that at all. You might get accounting 101, you know, your junior year in high school, um, but that's it. And um, so I had to learn how to be, or I am always learning how to be um, a CFO because I'm going to claim it, CFO here, right here. <laughs> and I've had to transfer that to my own family. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I should have like family business meetings and like talk to my husband about, you know, these thing called budget meetings. And uh, yeah, you know, you have your zero balance budget at the beginning of the year and you figure it out from there. Like those are things I didn't know prior to starting a business. This is why Reed bought Molly, my daughter, a Israeli bond for her bat mitzvah to teach her accounting and budgeting and investing at an early age because she's not going to get it taught anywhere else unless I do it. They don't teach compound interest in school. (laughs) No. They teach it in some math problems, but it's nothing like... Well, that's true. If you go to the right school, if you're going to Wharton, they're going to teach you. But if uh, I mean beyond like the the math, that one math problem on that one test, yeah, I mean nothing. I, I feel the same way. I mean, when we go into business, we think about well, what's my skill? What do I want to do? You don't think about all the other stuff mm-hmm. that's the back office paperwork, and that winds up taking more time than what you thought you'd be doing. And certainly I'm not going to get into a political rant here or anything, but it used to we be can. when you talk about the American dream, <laughs> yeah. um, the small business owners, I mean, the government was there to, supposed to help, to help us. And right now with the current political climate, it is not um, for a variety of reasons, whether it's health insurance, um, whether it's uh, just your state, uh, depending on what paperwork. I mean, we've had conversations before where each of us, um, you know, there was just, I think there's four different state offices in Texas, and we're not a heavily regulated state. We're pretty low on the regulatory end. And it's still like, did you know you had to go file this? No. Did did you know you have to go file this annually? I had no idea. And of course, we're not, it's not criminal, but if you don't do it or you don't know about it, there can be right off the bat. There can be some penalties associated with that and it can hurt your bottom line and your business. And certainly, um, 
I've had those same kind of surprises. Uh, it is a it's a it's a learning curve, um, but it can be very frustrating, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to bring it back to water for a second because okay. that's how I do. But and you're going to have to remind me the context of this story. But I remember when we were. As being one of our number one fans, you're quite aware that we, um, our bestie is George Hawkins, who used to be the wow. former general manager. Bestie. Uh, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Who is the former DC Water general manager. And you uh, were very vocal in some of your um, <laughs> uh, reactions towards DC Water. But then when you told us why, Again, it came back to this idea of not communicating with the people that we're interacting with to tell them why something was happening, why something was being regulated, why you were getting dinged as an organization. So can you tell us a little bit about your history with DC Water? Uh, yes, yeah, so I will <laughs> I, I will start off by 100% admitting I was wrong in the end, and but it took me to have my conversation with you a decade or more later to under to understand why and even realize. Um, and it was one of those, I hadn't thought about it at the time. Uh, it hadn't even been in my head for 12, 15 years, and it just kind of clicked when you mentioned uh, uh, the D.C. area. So I used to live in uh, Washington, D.C. I tell people, um, you know, I, I, I did my stint, and then I moved back to the United States of America. And people kind of <laughs> tilt their head sideways and go, but it's D.C. And I said, yes, but it's not the United States of America. I didn't have representation. I still had taxation, but uh, you know, don't have a senator out there on the floor. Um, so it's it's unique in its own way. But we were uh, the the what you actually mentioned was WSSC, which I think it stands for the it's like the Washington Area Sanitation. Wasa. Wasa. No, no, it was it was an older. It doesn't have the same name anymore. It changed names, but it was the. Sewer and Sanitation Commission of the Washington area. It stretched into, uh, you know, Maryland, Virginia there. And oh, so that was different than D.C. Water. There is a WSSC. Oh, you're in WSSC, not, not WASA? Uh, I, I mean, again, I, acronym land. Either I, way, I don't it doesn't remember. matter. But what, do you mean you story, what do you mean you don't get it? What do you mean you don't get the acronym? It's WASA. <laughs> no, I get it. I don't remember what it was is all I'm saying. She's being sarcastic so with you. Um, but it was, look, we were in the Beltway area, and we were working at a laboratory that apparently we were told in that county was the it was the largest, I guess, violator of, of you know, or fined by whatever the Sewer Sanitation Commission was there. And what they did, they basically had sensors right at the where the public, where our private line came into the public sewer, uh, and they had pH and temperature mm-hmm. gauges. And apparently, if your wastewater coming out of your facility is outside of a certain temperature or outside of a certain pH range, you can get fined for that. Um, you know, and at the time, so I'm working there. I think it was my first job out of college, and so you're just you're just trying to keep that job. And if yeah. the boss says go do this, you go do it. And my job was once a year. Uh, you know, we had an inspection by the you know sewer and sanitation commission, and uh, you know I had to make sure okay nothing was wrong that day. You know, like we flushed a ton of water, we made sure that <laughs> everything was right. And and I mean the issue when you think about it with biomedical research laboratories, oh boy, um, you're using autoclaves. You have to have steam sterilization, mm-hmm. 
And guess what? Uh, you know, what's steam? It's water at a very, very, very high temperature. And so that can come right out of the autoclave, hit your uh, waistlines, go down the drain. Oh, um, it was my first job out of college, and you pretty much just do whatever the boss tells you. I mean, uh, um, you know, as long as it's within what you consider to be your job description. And yeah. it was Clarify. once a year we get the... Uh, <laughs> The WSSC representative comes out and, you know, takes a tour, and so I'm supposed to walk them around and, you know, show them everything, make sure there's no leaks, make sure, uh, uh, you know, nothing looks wrong. But we would tell people, like, okay, you know, don't run the autoclave that day. Make sure you've drained the lines for a while and just so they don't, you know, find anything. And, and one of my jobs, too, was to explain to the researchers, typically, I mean, that's a big part of biosafety is you have to explain to the people working in the facility that there's something outside those walls. They think that, okay, as long as they're being safe inside, they're handling their sharps appropriately, they're disposing of uh, you know, their biohazardous waste in the mm-hmm. right box or the right bin, that it stops there. Mm-hmm. Well, none of it does. It goes out the door. It goes down the drain. It goes you know, back out into the environment. And so I had to explain to people, no, you don't take whatever solution you've just made up, and if you're done with it, pour it down the sink. Mm. Uh, and you don't just do that and run uh, the water for a bit. Um, and you, you know, we have to actually take our, our autoclave uh, waistline and actually run it, have some chilled water in there so that before it enters the public waistline again, it's not outside of that, that temperature range. And, of course, my thinking was, well, you know, why are we always getting dinged? I mean, that's annoying. It's it should be the sewer company's job to handle it. It's whatever you throw down there, they should clean up. I mean, isn't that why we have treatment plants, right? It's to get it back to where you can put it back in my sink or I can drink it. And so, um, you know, that's how I felt about it. And it was frustrating because it was, well, why should we care? And then only, and I hadn't even thought about it since then. Like 10 years went by and I saw them as an enemy to be defeated sort of at work as opposed to, you know, we should actually work with them. They should come out and talk to us and explain why. And so then, of course, mm-hmm. Stephanie, what, 12, 15 years later, mentions mm-hmm. that acronym. And I go, oh, my gosh, those guys in D.C., I was that was like my enemy. I had to, <laughs> you know, go make sure we could get around, uh, you know, their probes and sensors. And then you explained uh, what the job is of, really, the, the sewage treatment. And it immediately clicked of, you know, oh, wow, that's horrible. And, of course, it ran right off into the Chesapeake Bay. So there's all kinds of reasons right. we would not want it to be super acidic or super basic or be at 280 degrees coming out in the pipe. Um, but it was, not, it was not something anybody even discussed or, you know, had anybody just stopped and said, Education. here's the reason why, yeah. as opposed to just... Hey, go! Not that it was some giant government conspiracy cover-up. It was just, uh, you know, they looked at the calendar, shrugged their shoulders, and said, "Oh, great! It's that day again where they're coming out." Yeah, I mean, yeah, because what you're putting down there was killing all the bugs that, <laughs> the good bugs, the beneficial bugs, bacteria that they use to clean the water. <clears throat> Does a so. microbiologist appreciate good bugs? Oh, absolutely! Probably more yes. than anybody else. I am yeah. completely against antimicrobial soap because it has destroyed our... Can you... Uh, can I tell you a story real quick? Uh, not you. It's not my podcast. You get to say whatever you want, whatever you want. Go right ahead. Um, I don't think I'll ever forget you um, at opening day in 20... What year are we in? 2019? This was 2018. And um, you went to the bathroom in a porta potty and come where I did probably and came back and I'm, you know, oh, it's fine. It's hand sanitizer. And you're like, Mm-mm. you're just rubbing your bad germs more into your skin 
you're not like taking them off your skin. And now I make my kids wash my hands all the time, thanks to you. Wash their hands all the time. Wash their hands, not my hands. Hand sanitizer to me is what I would guess flushable wipes are to you. That is the way I would put it. And I only recently learned about flushable wipes when I even texted you Mm. at one point and said, hey, these are flushable, right? It says it right on the label. So is this really a big deal? Like, is it really a big deal if I flush these and we were like, er, stop everything that we're getting paid to do right now and send Reed a list of videos and thousand gifts and texts about what wipes do to the um, wastewater infrastructure. How is your data plan since then, because I feel like I, you got I'm quite a few. I'm still emptying out photos of what are they called? Like fat burgers, something. Burger, yeah, yeah, fat burgs. Fat burgs of just Welcome these like the horrifying the photos from water? the catacombs of London sewers, and it was it was horrific. But that's that's essentially what Purell and hand sanitizer is to me. Hand sanitizer was never invented um, to replace hand washing. It was to be in an instance in a healthcare setting, like for surgeons or nurses after. They wash their hands to just give an additional uh, layer when you really need last, like, a sanitized bam. area, or as an alternative when nothing else is available. You're, you know, camping in the woods and you've just, you know, dug your little hole and used your fig leaves or whatever. Um, it is never meant to replace it, and unfortunately, now you walk into, you know, a fast food restaurant and you'll see they'll they may just have. Purell or hand sanitizer. I don't want to lose your sponsorship by Purell now, but it's probably out the window. But because um, that's just what everybody you know interchangeably calls it. Um, all hand sanitizer does is take off. I mean, it's basically uh, alcohol, and alcohol evaporates almost immediately. Right, and I can prove this because I use this every month on my own dry erase board at home. Exactly, I use hand sanitizer to take off. My it, it's maker. it's alcohol, and alcohol evaporates. And the whole point of whenever you're using uh, disinfectants, if they're chemical disinfectants, uh, we kind of have two sides. There's physical and chemical. Physical would be temperature. You'd apply heat to denature uh, the microorganisms. Uh, but chemical, uh, you need contact time. That's mm. the whole point. That's why if you actually read the label, if something <laughs> says spray your Clorox solution at home, um, you're supposed to let it sit for a certain amount of time. It actually needs that contact time. Um, so if you just throw some hand sanitizer in your hand, it evaporates right off. It maybe you know kills a tiny bit on the outside. Um, but the whole point of hand washing is physical removal. It's to give yourself time. The water is to remove the surfactant, the soap, is to actually physically scrub off and go down the drain the microbes that are on your hand. Um, that's why the original, there's an old soap that, uh, you know, people actually borax the hard stuff oh, I don't yeah. know if you've, it's great for you the only people you see use it now are like auto mechanics because it really gets <laughs> the grime off your hands Gritty. but that stuff's great it's, yeah it's kind of it feels like sand a bit uh, because it physically moves that's what I used to wash my pigs with well, then your pigs were cleaner than your hands, probably, depending on what soap. Show them, you know. So we get this, you know, and everybody uses soft, you know, antibacterial liquid soap, and like I guarantee you... and fluffy. Yeah, so the antibacterial part oh. is horrible because that's killing the good microbes, and that's only allowing the, the, you know, bad microbes essentially to take over. But on top of that, anybody who does wash their hands, and I say that because there's plenty who don't, even in this day and age, um, do it for maybe five seconds. Nobody washes their hands appropriately. The actual way you're supposed to. You're supposed, you're supposed to wash to your hands. Happy birthday. Yep, 20 seconds. And, and that, listeners, is the epitome of a reed rant. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that you is go. a reed rant. <laughs> Got him. Got so him. I think uh, I think it's my turn to ask you a question. 
Um, I could talk about hand washing a lot longer. I think longer, it's time so for you to fill up these glasses. Oh yeah, it's a lime bag. I said, give me a give me a signal for the refill. Lime bag. Yeah, when he had all those limes cut up. Oh yeah. There and he was like, so just like a skosh more. A skosh for you. Yeah. Is that a skosh? I mean, I get, yeah, it's a skosh. All right, well, we'll, we'll finish this one off, and we can always yeah. open up the backup. Oh, she got a big skosh. Well, I, I don't know what the... I didn't limit him in skoshness. I don't know what the NIST measurement of a skosh is, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a skosh. So we're now celebrating the anniversary of the podcast. Yes. I don't want to say, you know, what was your favorite podcast. I mean, that they're all amazing they're in their like own way. Um, but what so. what has been your most rewarding experience since recording the first podcast? Mm, that's a good one. I just, um, this is the freshest one that's on the tip of my, my brain. Uh, <laughs> God bless. <laughs> I going to say tip of my tongue. I don't know. But, um, so this, po- the podcast has connected us to water nerds like across the nation. And actually it just won us, um, a opportunity to keynote at the conference, the strategic communication conference that NACWA just put on, the National Association of Clean Water Agencies. And so we did our thing up on stage at lunch. It was amazing. And then the next day we had this young woman come up to us who's 24 years old. She's a young professional in this industry. She is a young female minority professional in this industry, which is even less unheard of. And she said... You know, I just want to thank you for showing me that I can be smart and funny and young and I can just be me. And, you know, that was incredibly powerful for me because, you know, Ariane and I, I think there's obviously an element of your work has to precede you and that sort of gives you more freedom to be more authentic and genuine in who you are and to own it. But... I know that when Ariane and I just given our personality started out, we we experienced an element of oh, there's just these girls being silly or yep. or we whatever. Been told that like, yeah, or just trying to be funny or and know, like, even when we were working for the government, the city that we worked for and things like that, not yeah. taken seriously. Yeah, and so I mean, this is a girl that's 24 years old. She's already been promoted within the the agency that she works for. So obviously, she's doing work that's deemed valuable. And so it was powerful for me, even though I still consider myself young. I don't consider myself old, but I'm obviously not 24. But it was powerful for me to feel like that I had showed this young woman that she could be herself Mm -hmm. and that she could live in her truth and that she could be funny and smart and young, whatever it is that she is, just because we stood up on a stage and we told our story. Mm -hmm. So that was powerful for me. Yeah. What was your moment? Or you got one? What was the question? Most, re- most rewarding experience since the podcast started related to the podcast. Most rewarding experience? Um, it's hard to pick one, but I'll say this. For someone who suffers from a great deal of anxiety on a daily basis, to jump out and say, I'm going to follow this holy discontent that God has put in me to... Uh, leave my super safe, amazing city job that I have built a reputation at and, and built a, you know, safety net with, um, to leave and do this. Um, the podcast 
allowed other people to see who we were on a bigger level. And instead of having to spend our last year and a half chasing RFPs and selling, being salesmen, saleswomen, um, or these things that would typically put me in this panic attack mode, um, it's kind of given this green light for other agencies or companies to be like, I want to work with them. Yeah. And that has been like, first of all, super humbling. Also, like, for someone who has, like, anxiety and, okay, great that this quarter is taken care of. What about next quarter? What about next year? What about, I mean, I'm thinking of every day for the next, like, 20 years. I'm overthinking everything. I'm thinking from now until the apocalypse actually does happen. (laughs) Who's going to be paying my bill when the apocalypse apocalypse does happen? Um, So... For the podcast, um, I like have to thank our podcast um, for and every every single person who's ever listened ever 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 because uh, that has helped us grow a business that has fed our children. You literally you listening to the podcast is feeding our children. Yeah, I I just to follow up to both of those. So uh, first with your answer, Stephanie, I found it amazing. Um, a few episodes ago, I. I Again, I never remember names, but you had the Cincinnati, either the executive director or she was the grand poobah. And I guess she said she was <laughs> she either, is, she's she either the, Kathy Bailey. she was the first minority female or first female to actually be, both. Both. it was both, right? Both to first run. woman and African-American woman. And I was sitting there listening to that going, well, how can that be? I mean, uh, Ooh, you know, just that. because, it, yeah. because communication, what I've learned through this podcast and through y'all is. It, the first experience I had with the city water here it goes back to that. That job should be all about communication. Look, engineering is great. We went to the moon. That was really cool. And thank you, engineers. But I would have thought a million of these jobs across the country would already be women because, you know, and, and obviously, look, not every woman and not every man, I'm not grouping that into one, but tend to be better communicators. And that's what I thought would be an automatic needed for that position. So when I heard that she was the first, I was like, well, really? Did you guys check your stats? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> so I'm glad that you were here actually pointing out. You had one in the first season, too. I don't remember. It might have been uh, there was a Megan or somebody talking about yep. women mm-hmm. who kind of go into the meeting. And, oh, yeah. and it was like, what? This happens in meetings? Yeah. So I'm actually yeah. I'm actually glad you, are, you're, you have a voice for that to point that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as to your answer, uh, um, Arianne, you know, I it truly just as a listener from the first couple of podcasts to now, you can hear your voice. You have gained your voice. And at first, I just thought maybe it was the physics. You were sharing one microphone and you were <laughs> we against were. the wall. We've Stephanie upgraded. We have a three now. Stephanie might have been time. hogging it, and so it sounded like you were just <laughs> okay. kind of coming in and out. But you, but now, um, you know, the fact that that you know what you have to share in your voice. Uh, um, uh, it's just fascinating what you have to say, and it's it's. I'm it's not just, crying. You're crying. It's just great. To, it's great to see that you've grown. So um, for both of you, that was. I'm not, li- I'm not making eye contact with you. <laughs> All right. So I guess back to me. Right. All right. How many questions do you have left? Uh, not including the lightning round. One for each of you. Okay. One for each of us. Okay. Question. I have a question. I want to ask this one. Okay. I just want to know. Uh, I'm going to do the one that I put on. I. I I put this on you. I put this, I wouldn't say it's a burden um, because it's a life-changing He, he might consider it a burden. You can call it a burden. I don't care. 
Um, it was put onto me, and now I put it onto you. You know, like a, when you throw a pebble into water, it makes ripples. You are one of the ripples. So it's an honor to be a ripple. So what I have to say is three words, four words. I'm going to give you four. Plastic, water, bottle, lid. <laughs> I, yeah. Do you there's, take not, your, there's not a question, and I know. Do you take your top off? So I make everyone take their top off. It Woo! might as well be Mardi Gras Woo! in the be French quiet. Quarter on Bourbon Street because, I mean, look, I, I understand your thoughts about bottled water, and I purchased bottled water for a variety of reasons. It has its, its uses. Yes. Um, you alluded earlier to opening day. Well, every year we go to Rangers opening day and bring my grandma, who's 92 she years old, water. and she has not missed one since the Rangers moved here. Um, sure. We need bottled water out there. Um, I'm on a competitive barbecue team. We don't have running water out at those sites. We have bottled water. We're not but, haters of bottled water. No, no, no. It's, it's, you know, it has its uses, but I never paid attention before to whether uh, I put the top back on or off when I threw it out or put it in the recycle bin. And then I think we were at one of these events, and you mentioned how, well, guess what? Whatever water is inside that plastic, that plastic's never going to degrade. Uh, and I mean, I know that. It's going to be here long after we're all gone. Um, but then with that cap on, that water can't evaporate or get back into the ecosystem. So not only are you polluting, you are... Trapping, trapping water and that river. that immediately was like horrifying to me i mean i'm yeah. sure i was at least half a dozen beverages in and it's still just <laughs> doing the math in my head of taking that out of everybody's water bottle and so i went through all of the trash bags there and yes i'm a microbiologist and it was hot sunny day and there were you know microbes everywhere there were meat bits in the trash and even <laughs> sitting out but i went and found every plastic bottle i hate meat to bits. make sure uh, the tops were off. And then I went and told every single person I know. I go to my parents' house now and check uh, yeah. you know, the recycle bin when I'm stopping by just to see, all right, are there any tops on? I go through all of mine. Um, Milk I'm, jugs, Gatorade bottles. I'm actually just, really annoying yeah. to people sometimes. They're like, like Tide you know, lit. You know, no, I'm sorry, Tide. You know, laundry detergent. <laughs> any um, of it. Yeah. All of that. Take the top off. Take I want to start the national campaign of hashtag take, take your, your top off. off. Absolutely, I'm, I'm. I will be your and it's second it's not to say that, that you know recycling doesn't solve that because they're going to recycle it. The water's going to be squished, melted, whatever they do, whatever they need. If to do. it's recycled, but it's if it gets to the recycling yeah. bin, that's the problem. So if many it times it doesn't. There. So many times it doesn't. So many cities are even like. We're not even going to recycle anymore because it costs so much money because of contamination and because of our political climate that China doesn't want our recyclables anymore. Whatever the case may be, no matter what it is, take off the top. Take off your tops. Absolutely. I was at a... I won't go down the neighborhood and like dig into their dumpsters and that. It's a little <laughs> creepy, but I was at a actually the Vermont. But you want to? I was at the Vermont Cheese Society Festival, which of course you um, were. You know, it just happens. And uh, <laughs> but so they had all these you know bags we're just collecting, and uh, you know my wife is over trying to get her hands on as many possible cheeses as you can, which I don't blame her. Eight I mean, months that's, pregnant. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, and I just see all of this trash, and there's water bottles because it's the only water out there, and everybody has the tops on. And there are volunteers everywhere, and they have one color shirt, and so you can tell. And obviously, I'm not wearing that color, so <laughs> they don't expect me to be over in the trash area. And I'm over there just pulling off tops everywhere, just yeah. going through. And I think at one point, somebody came over, and it was like, oh, did you lose your wedding ring? Like, they assume, yeah. like, why would anybody yeah. be going why through? The trash? You know, I'm like, nope, my wedding ring's right here. I'm right just here. I'm just a water nerd. And so that's, uh, that's when I realized, like, I am a water nerd. You have a, you have a convert. Yes. Um, so welcome to the Water Nerd Nation. Yes. You know, I, I'm not a Jewish convert, but I always wanted to be. Okay. You know, so one day you can just convert me, but just You can just convert me. You can convert me, but <laughs> you're welcome to the convert club. Um, welcome to you to our tribe. I mean, yeah, I'm part welcome. of his tribe as well, so. Everybody's a part of a tribe. I feel like I'm only part of one tribe. Okay. It's Okay. You're in the water tribe. What yeah, else do you need? That's the best tribe. Of converting? No. Oh. Oh, got it. Okay. So I appreciate you talking about the Vermont Cheese Factory Festival. Um when I was at my the last uh, nonprofit communicators conference, conference yes. here at TCU, Texas Christian University, uh, I too was caught digging through the trash. They didn't have recycling on campus or on it in that building, mm. and but everybody was drinking bottled water, and it I went bonkers because I'm looking, you know, I look in trash, and I'm like, wow, there are 50 water bottles in there, and they all have lids on them. And I started unscrewing the lids, taking their tops off. And the lady's kind of looking at me like, what is going on? What is she doing? And I'm like, I was like, don't worry. I'm just taking the tops off. And she's like, okay, even more. What is she doing? (laughs) And I'm like, and at that moment, thank God, Stephanie walked out from the banquet to the hall. And she's like, oh, I thought you left. And I was like, I spent like 10 minutes unscrewing tops. Like, (laughs) I'm so glad you came here because it just got really awkward and I needed someone to like save my face. Like tell this lady, I'm not the weird one. You are. You kept your lid on. Makes me physically uncomfortable to be someplace like that where there's no recycling. No recycling. I just, I like, I just, I think about it and worry about it. But you know, that's why I'm here, I guess. So you can, you can ask the next question. Ooh, you got to tune in next week. Find out what that next question is. Uh, As you know, at the end of every episode, we have a lightning round and Reed actually came with his own lightning round for us. So you'll have to check that out next week as well. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Lab Notes, formerly the Water Nerd newsletter. This is your one-stop shop for the podcast catalyst and all things Watercom's revolution. You can sign up at roguewaterlab.org. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rogue Water Lab. Plus, still keep up with the H2 Duo shenanigans at the underscore H2 Duo. Don't forget to share with your friends and fellow water nerds so we can continue to grow the tribe. Remember, it doesn't matter if you're a formal water educator, communicator, or an engineer or operator. 
you communicate every single day. And as public health stewards, we have a responsibility to the people we serve to have our comms game on point. And we have to do that to build the trust and support necessary to create a resilient water future. Investing in comms is an investment in yourself and your organization. Why? Because like just one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world.